I'm going to start with plies mm-hmm. uh, because I, as a teacher, I love getting students into plies because I feel like in that moment I'm taking them out of their world and I'm giving them that opportunity to unplug and to de-stress and to really connect into their bodies, to connect with the space, to connect with some beautiful music. And I know how special that is. And that is the beginning of the 90-minute journey that I'm taking them on. So for me, getting plies right is so important, creating the feeling that I, that I want the class to travel on all happens in plies. Hello, and welcome to the podcast for ballerinas, adult ballerinas, parents of ballerinas, and everyone in between. I'm your host, Georgia Canning, also known as the Balanced Ballerina, and it's my mission to break down the elitist barriers often associated with ballet. Through my own studios and ballet-related businesses, I'm all about providing space and content for people from all walks of life to experience and enjoy the many benefits of ballet. Each month, I'll bring you industry leaders and thought-provoking guests who will hopefully inspire you to lead a more balanced life, full of grace, with a little grit. Now, before I share today's guest, I have three spots left for the Balanced Ballerinas Adult Ballet Retreat in Byron Bay on Friday the 13th and Saturday the 14th of September. The program consists of ballet class, obviously, body conditioning, repertoire, deep breathing. We might throw a little bit of meditation in there and an amazing dinner at Azure Restaurant, which is five minutes down the road from where we will be. And basically having dinner with like-minded adult ballerinas is my idea of a dream. So in a nutshell, guys, I've created two days filled with all my favorite things and I cannot wait to share this special experience with those that have already booked in. So if you'd like to join us or if you'd like to hear about future retreats, because I've had a few messages from people who can't make this one but want to be kept in the loop, then send an email to hello at balanceballerinas.com and I will send you through some further details or sign you up to the Balance Ballerinas fortnightly newsletter. Now, I am so excited, guys, to share this interview with everyone because I know there are so many of you out there who are adult ballerinas that listen to the podcast. Diane Harrison is the principal of Alonce Adult Ballet School in Melbourne, Victoria. And as you'll hear, she is quite an astonishing woman. When I arrived at the Mitcham location, yes, Alonce has two studio locations in Melbourne. Diane took me for a tour of the premise. And I'm telling you right now, it is what adult ballet dreams are made of. After being greeted in the foyer, clients basically walk through to a designated stretching area with a change room to the left, studio to the center, and a really beautiful kitchen and boardroom to the right. Yes, you heard that correct. Diane has an adult ballet boardroom. As you will hear in the interview, I was in heaven and I basically didn't want to leave. Now, after sitting down for our interview though, I'll tell you this story. Diane was making me a cup of tea and I was packing up my podcast equipment. Now, I must have 
had my thinking face on because Diane said, you look deep in thought. Are you okay, Georgia? To which I replied, I think so. I'm just in awe of what you've built. And to be honest, super jealous. She goes, my darling, this has taken me 17 years. (sighs) Patience, Georgia. She's got 10 on me. My business is only seven years old and I have big dreams for it. And so I took a big breath and I was like, yeah, that's right. I need to be patient about this, Diane. I mean, I'm always banging on to my adult ballerinas who are starting ballet for the first time to be patient. I probably need to take some of my own medicine. Now, whilst the facilities are amazing, it's also the vibe of Valance that I find so incredibly special. Creating a space exclusively for adult ballerinas is a really beautiful thing. And as someone who also teaches adults, I know the amount of work that goes into creating a space and a community where basically where adult ballerinas are not only seen and heard, but respected. But seriously, what Diane has built is nothing short of amazing. And after our short time together, I can say without a doubt, Diane is one of the most eloquent, classy, organized and inspiring ladies I've ever met. I truly hope we are friends for years to come. Diane and I cover a lot of topics in this conversation, starting with her own personal ballet journey, which I'll let her share. And we also touched on why adult ballet is having a real moment in the dance world and offer some advice for those embarking on their own adult ballet journey. Personally, I thoroughly enjoyed Diane sharing why she loves teaching adults and she even shared some of the funnier teaching stories. So make sure you listen right to the end for those. Now, I think you're really going to enjoy this one, especially if you're an adult ballerina. But even if you're not, Diane's tenacity and drive will certainly inspire anyone to follow their heart and foster a life of fulfillment. So sit back with a cup of tea or a coffee, something relaxing, and enjoy Diane Harrison. I have just received a tour of by far the most beautiful and well thought out studio I've probably ever been in. And I've been in some pretty amazing dance studios. So, Diane, can I just move in? You are so welcome. <laughs> there's endless cups of tea and chocolate oh, biscuits at the ready. I'm, I'm in heaven and there's classical music playing outside. This is just beautiful. Thank you. Thank it's, you. It's so amazing. So I'm sitting here with Diane from Alance Adult Ballet School and it's just beautiful. Like I said, I want to move in. But... We are going to hear all about your lovely studio in this chat and talk about lots of adult ballet. So our adult ballet listeners will be thrilled with this episode. But first of all, can we start with your ballet journey? So when and where did it begin? Oh, Georgia, good morning. Well, can I start by saying thank you so much. Thank you for (laughs) inviting me to have this chat with you. It's very, it feels very luxurious actually to sit and talk with somebody about what I do. I think I've been accused of being able to talk to a chair about what I do. I dearly love it. You'll um, make my job very easy then. <laughs> oh, I hope so. Thanks. Um, my journey, it, that's, a, that's quite a story. We have all the time in the world. Lovely. I have started ballet when I was five, I think four and a half or five. Mm-hmm. Um, to this day, my parents have no idea why I said to them I want to start ballet. They don't know where the idea came from. 
if I saw something on TV or saw a magazine. But I honestly walked up to mum one day and said, mum, I want to go to ballet. And I was little and pudgy and not remotely graceful. (laughs) Uh, And my parents thought it was quite hilarious. I think mum said something like, are you sure you don't want to do swimming, darling? Uh, I didn't let the idea go. So they agreed that they would uh, put me into a ballet school for a term. And, and if I lasted the term, then maybe they'd let me continue. 14 years later, they thought, yes, she's probably going to stick with it. Oh, wow. But anyone that knows me um, knows that I'm not exactly shy about saying I am not built to be a dancer. I, never, I was not gifted with a dancer's body. I was gifted with a dancer's heart, but certainly not a dancer's body. It's a beautiful so, way of putting it, though. Well, I think in, in the long term, it, it all worked out for the good but I think it has <laughs> uh, but my hopes of forging a career as a professional dancer were not to be and they were positively destroyed by horrific injury at the age of uh, about 17 or 18. So I walked away from ballet I wanted nothing to do with ballet. What injury did you have? Uh, I, it was a degenerative injury it's in my hips it started as um, as bursitis no, I'm sorry, it started as tendonitis, it developed into bursitis and then into full-blown arthritis. Wow. And uh, and I have got, it, it, how do I explain it? It's, it's quite tricky. I have got yep. bone degeneration in my hip joints that makes any kind of extension quite painful. Mm. So Sounds nasty. Well, it, it, it wasn't fun. It certainly Definitely wasn't fun. I, I ended up in the United States being assessed by some doctors there who were quite fascinated with the injury and they wanted to perform an operation that they said um, they would cut into my into my hips they wanted to cut and tie all the ligaments around the hip joints because what I had done Mm. I'm as I said not built for a dancer I have entirely the wrong shape and I've got very very deep hip sockets so to attain height of extensions, there was just hideous amounts of overstretching going on. But they had never done this operation before. Okay. They were enjoying the challenge of it, but they said it would be three months before I could walk. It would be a year before I'd even consider dancing again. And and I knew that that was that was the moment that I had to decide to walk away. So I did, and I walked away from ballet completely. It was heartbreaking. It was heartbreaking because it had been my identity. I'd grown up and everyone would introduce me saying, this is Diane, she's a dancer. Mm. So I never... I can relate. (laughs) I never never learned who I was outside of ballet. Uh, So I had a lot of years that I would describe them as quite lost. I went back to school and finished uh, the later years of high school. I drifted into university and I drifted out almost as quickly... I got a job as a PA and then promptly taught myself how to be a PA. <laughs> and, and I then worked in the corporate world for a number of years in a range of roles, ultimately decided I wanted to do more. So I took myself to night school and picked up a second language. I went and learned Japanese. Wow. I moved to Japan and had a wonderful year and a bit there teaching everyone loves japan Uh, japan is incredible Mm. Um, i was teaching english in japan and living with a beautiful beautiful family Uh, i ended up coming back to australia and then my combination of administrative experience and a second language i was picked up by an international language college to run 
their colleges here. Eventually, I took a job with a Japanese company that had 300 international language colleges worldwide, five in Australia. They wanted one in Melbourne, so I set up the college for them in Melbourne. I spent the first couple of years running madly around the world, yeah. recruiting international students to come and learn English in Melbourne. And somewhere at that point, I met my husband. And I realized how crazy my life had been. Uh, he, at the time, was a marine engineer working in the British Merchant Navy. And he was spending four months at sea at a time and then was home for four months. Wow, that's tough. It, yeah, that <laughs> was the first seven years of our life together. It was really challenging. But he, he gave me a reason to slow down. I, so I did. I literally stepped out of my world. I went back to doing temp work and spent a lot of time at sea with him. That gave me the time to think about what I wanted to do with my life and I started to realise how much I had missed ballet. Now by this point I was approaching 30 and he, I, I had tried so many things to fill the gap that ballet left behind and, and I think they're quite common stories. Yeah, I had done mad gym work, I picked up running, I even did some fun runs, I did martial arts. But nothing filled that gap and I, and I had finally stopped to acknowledge that the gap was there and yeah. the only thing that was going to fill it was ballet. So I started to talk to my husband about maybe I need to go back to ballet and he was horrified because I realised he'd only ever heard my war stories. and Yeah, so he's like, why are you going back to this world which is ballet caused dances. you so much trauma? <laughs> <laughs> and we wear our war stories like badges of honour. Mm -hmm. And I realised I'd actually never told him how much I loved it. And I think somewhere in that journey, I had forgotten the love myself. I'd lost the love for it. But the time away allowed that to come back. So I set about finding a class. Now, this is a long time ago. This is over 20 years ago. And adult ballet wasn't... It didn't exist the way it does now. It, it wasn't the genre that we know it to be now. So it was very, very hard to find. I eventually found this little class. This will tell you how long ago it was. It was above <laughs> a video shop. Oh, wow. Yeah, back when videos existed. Uh, and you honestly, you had to walk through the video shop and up the stairs to get to the studio. And it was this tiny little studio. It was quite dirty. But, <laughs> I but can imagine if it was above a video store and you had to go through. <laughs> but the teacher was good. Mm. And, I, and to this day, I remember that first class because it was like falling in love all over again. And it just felt like coming home. What I didn't know is that day when I, when I drove back home, my husband, who was so worried that I was going to come home, this you know, broken emotional wreck, he'd been waiting for my car to pull into the driveway. And even before I got my hand on the front door, the door opened and this glass of wine appeared through oh my the door. Gosh, that's so because funny. he figured if it was a good experience or a bad experience, wine was the answer. One was celebrating and one was commiserating. Absolutely. <laughs> uh, but he also said he had never seen me so happy as yeah. when I came home from that first class. So that was the beginning of my finding my way back into ballet and I started simply being a student and starting to get my body back into condition, starting to reconnect with the technique. Through that process, uh, I 
decided that my work and my love had to be the same thing and I needed to go and learn how to teach. Once again, blessed with a wonderful, wonderful husband that said, absolutely, step out of your job, go and do what you need to do. So I did and uh, the class that I was attending, it folded unfortunately. Two of the students there knew that I was learning to teach and they said, would you please teach us? And that's exactly how Alonce started at that time with no name and nothing more than, yes, of course, I will teach you. Please don't pay me. Just help, <laughs> just, just help me pay for hiring a space <laughs> and I will teach you. As all good teaching stories start. And that's exactly how we began. And it was uh, from those two students to the 600 odd that we have now. It's incredible. 600 students. That's yeah, that amazing. didn't happen overnight. I know it didn't. So I, I would, I mean, personally, just from a very selfish point of view, I would I would love to know. So Alance celebrates how many years this year? It's our, We had our 18th birthday in April. That is amazing. Thank you. So it was what, really special. Because you've got two locations now. What did you mm. first start with? Uh, well, neither of these two. These two are, are purpose-built and they're gorgeous. But I They have, are. I'm moving in. <laughs> <laughs> like I said, you're welcome. Uh, but I, I've truly done the hard yards with the hired spaces. And we, well, where we started was in a studio at Victoria University in Footscray, which was great at the time. It was a big space. But it had no air conditioning. It was hot. It was encased in glass. It was on level four of oh, wow. this building, fully encased in glass. So, and no air conditioning. If it was 35 degrees outside, it was 50 degrees inside. You would have had good views <laughs> if it was encased in glass. Very, very nice views, but it was hot. <laughs> uh, and, and of course, not having the ownership of the premises, we had uh, facilities people rattling their keys smack on 9.30 and you, you you desperately want to give your students one more run through the Grand Allegro. Mm. Or a bit of time to cool down or... Yeah, know. but someone's standing there jangling their keys, wanting to lock up and, and off you go. But that's where we started. I then uh, took a church hall in Oakley uh, and this is all over a number of years. And then another church hall in Hawthorne. It was around that time that... Uh, the age, the Melbourne age, ran a story on adults who become different people through various forms of dance, adults who have very demanding careers uh, and at night go and take a dance class somewhere and transform themselves. And one of our students was featured in that story and I picked up I do believe it was 109 students almost overnight wow. from the publication of that story. And that gave me the impetus that I needed to go and build my own studio. So from there, I purpose-built the first studio that was in Campbell Road, East Hawthorne. Uh, a lot of the Oakley students moved into that because it was so much nicer and not so far away. Uh, Understandably. <laughs> then eventually moved the... Victoria University students into a purpose-built space in Flemington that we still have that is lovely. And here we are sitting in Mitcham uh, when the Camberwell Road studio had to go. It was just one of those all too common stories of a building that was to be knocked down for, for apartments. 
so we moved here and I actually am quite thrilled. It's oh, you should so, be. It's so beautiful. It's just beautiful. It's so lovely. I'm I'm very jealous, but like I said to you, I'm very patient. <laughs> I'm very patient and I and that's the fun thing about meeting and talking to people like yourself because you get to see you know, and you get to learn of how much hard work and blood and sweat and tears and passion that's that's come to this point. But you should be extremely proud. It's just beautiful. Oh, thank you so much. And it, it is an incredible amount of hard work, but it comes from passion. Absolutely comes from passion. And don't worry because slow growth is the best kind. Yes. it's Couldn't agree more. That's why I'm very sitting very patiently. <laughs> I would um, love to just explore um, a little bit of the business. So how many teachers are there? Uh, including myself right now, we have eight teachers. Uh, and then two lovely ladies in our accounts department. So there's 10 of us on the team. Wow, there you go. And so with the two locations and 10 of you on the team, I I feel like you've got a really beautiful culture here. Do you have anything that you've done in particular to try and foster that culture or has it just grown really organically? I think it's honestly a bit of both. Uh, when the school was smaller, it was easier to have uh, functions and to you know, create you know, gift packs for the yeah. students at Christmas time and little and events. Yeah, those type of things. That became more complicated. I can as imagine the, with six hundred students as the school grew. <laughs> I think what is what is so important with the sense of community is to make it personal. Uh, to this day, I am still the person that answers the phone inquiries. I think it is so important that someone who is making an inquiry to your business is talking to the principal, talking to the person that created the business and is not you know, fobbed off to someone else who's not remotely interested in who they are, is not interested in their why. And I think that that's the other critical thing with adults. You need to understand what is their why. Why do they want to do this? Because if you understand their why, you can work out very quickly if they are going to be the right fit for your studio. It's so true. And, and certainly be honest with them if they're not. I, I would never pretend to be something that we're not. Uh, and form the connection from that very, very, very first inquiry. And then it's your onboarding process. So from... The first inquiry, how are they received into your school? Do your teachers know that they have a new student coming? Are they going to greet that new student by their name? Are they going to make them feel welcomed? Introduce them to other students. Give them a lovely tour of the premises. Uh, do everything in your power to make them feel important, to feel valued and to feel comfortable. Mm. Uh, and that's all about being personal. So the teachers are... The teachers are your representatives and, and to form a connection with the students to really see the students for who they are, to, to make them feel important is what then creates the community in the biggest sense. So care and connection, they're two of Alonso's values and you know, we, we live by them every single day. Well, it's very evident. Why do you think adult ballet is having a real moment right now? I mean, it's been a slow build-up, but I feel like adult ballet is really having quite a moment. 
it's, it's becoming more because I, I find and the, one of the reasons why I started the podcast was because there's this real stigma attached. I have adult ballerinas, for example, um, my own clients who've gone to the doctors and they've said, oh, what exercise do you do? And when they say ballet, they've been laughed at or why are you doing that? You're not going to be a professional ballerina. How silly. Atrocious. It just makes me so sad. But it's becoming a little bit more acceptable, a little bit more mainstream, a little bit more um, in the uh, media. So why, why do you think it's having a moment? I, I think it's, um, it's making me smile actually that you are describing it as having a moment because I've been yeah. having this moment for 18 years. <laughs> I know. That's why I said it's really funny to put it like that, but it is having a moment. Uh, no, I, I know what you're saying. I think it's becoming, um, it's certainly growing in popularity. And I would say there are actually a number of reasons for this. The first one is certainly technology and, of course, social media is increasing awareness that adult ballet exists. It's putting it on the radar of people that otherwise might not have recognised that it was an option for them. Yeah. I also think that as a, gener you know, as a generation, we're living longer than previous generations and we're living healthier so true we are more aware of health and well-being uh, more aware of taking care of ourselves and less inclined now to uh, have the mentality of we live to work people are wanting to find things outside of work they're wanting a sense of fulfillment beyond their work uh, I also think and this is a lot of what you do that the, the opportunity to be exposed to ballet now is demystifying uh, ballet in so many ways. It is shifting that mentality that it was an elitist activity mm -hmm. into where I believe it belongs, which is, you know, ballet belongs to everybody. Absolutely everybody on every level. It can be enjoyed by everyone, whether it be as a, an audience member at a performance or at the bar in an adult ballet class. It truly belongs to everybody. I couldn't agree more. So I'd love to know your opinion on a few different points, Diane. How important is attitude when you're an adult ballerina? Attitude. Do you, this is very serendipitous. I'm actually just looking into the studio at the moment and there is one of our beautiful adult students practicing her balance in attitude derriere. Oh, really? I can't That's see from hilarious. where I'm sitting. That's so funny. Uh, <laughs> Can I possibly substitute the word attitude for the word patience? Yes. I think patience is everything for an adult dancer. And when I teach, I talk a lot about care, uh, about students needing to put care into their work and care into the way that they approach an enchaînement taking care of their body inside the studio and outside. And I think that sense of care helps them to be patient with... The with process. The, the pro, the, with the journey. Mm. The process and the journey. It helps to slow them down. Uh, you can tell when a student is wrestling with technique, when, when they start, it, uh, almost start bashing what you've given them they're fighting it and they need to take that deep breath 
and and sit into the work to feel that they are connected to it to feel connected to the floor connected to their bodies and to take care with what they're doing so so patience 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 i've done a whole episode on patience i completely agree <laughs> oh look when we are uh, when we're inducting absolute beginners it is one of the the key points that i drill. keep stressing and stressing time and patience time and patience and i say to them you're about to ask your body to do something, to move in a way that it has never, ever moved before. And which is so foreign and so unnatural. <laughs> it is not going to feel comfortable. It's not going to feel easy. And you need to know that you are going to feel uncoordinated for at least the next six months. Yes. And if you know that, if you, if you go into every class going, okay, I'm not the only person who's feeling like this is not easy, I'm not the only person who's feeling uncoordinated, then you can be okay with it. And, and you know, week after week, month after month, it does come. Because mm, I feel like it's not, it's not like an exercise class where you can go in and, you know, after one or two classes of doing the movements that the instructor's giving you, you get, you, you know, you understand what's going on. But with an adult ballet class, it takes months, if not years, before you walk in confidently and go, I sort of understand this. I know stuff what's going now. to be asked of me in <laughs> exactly. this class today, and I know I'm going to be okay. Yeah, that that is a long time. It's a, a long process, and I don't know about you, but I have many clients who are uh, newbies to the adult ballet world, and no matter how many times I've warned them before they've gone into class that they will feel like a fish out of water, and they yeah. need to be prepared and, and comfortable with that. Mm. They come out and they go. Oh my gosh! Can you just show me this again? Or, or and can they, you please they show me what that? do I need to work on? What do I need to work on at home? And, and is your answer the same as mine? Absolutely just nothing. Just come to class. Yes, That's and, it. and they say, can, "What? What can I do? What can I practice at home?" And I say, "Please don't practice at home. Please don't, because you'll probably do it wrong and hurt yourself. And and you'll yes, you could hurt yourself, or you'll be doing it incorrectly. You won't realize. You'll mm -hmm. be you'll be training yourself into incorrect technique that we just have to fix when you come back into the studio. So no. Yeah, Please just come to class. That's my that's my go-to. Absolutely. I couldn't agree more. That's all you need to do. Where do you think, on that note, where do you think adult ballerinas go wrong, perhaps? Oh, I think they, they frequently have the mindset that ballet can be fast-tracked. And mm. again, it's playing back into the idea of patience. But it absolutely can't be. This is not something that you can rush. Uh, There's no hacks. There really are absolutely no hacks whatsoever. And sometimes I get inquiries from people who want to learn. You can't see me doing you know, air quotes here. Yeah, yeah. But just enough ballet to get through my musical theatre audition. Mm, yeah. Or I just need some ballet to help with ballroom I've got, you know, competition season coming up. I get this all the time And they, they're not people I can help because they're not people who are going to appreciate the way that we work, the time that's involved. And, and their goals are different to, uh, to the students that I work with. So, no, it can't be fast-tracked. But you do get people who think that you just need to do a few classes. What is the process of, of joining your studio? Does does everyone have to start in level one? How many levels are there again? There's about oh, we six have or seven, isn't no, there? No, we have ten. Ten. There you go. Ten levels. Wow. Uh, no, they don't have to start in level one. It depends entirely on the background. Their, their background, yeah. So, again, that comes through uh, 
through an initial contact with me, be it through phone or email. And I can work out uh, just through understanding what a student's experience is, if any. Most importantly, how long it has been since they've done a class. Because you could have a student who has, uh, let's say, done RAD Intermediate and been away from ballet for three years versus a student who's done RAD Intermediate and they've been away from ballet for 25 years. Yes, they are not going to go difference. into the same level. Mm. So just understanding what they've done, how long it's been since they've done a class, uh, a general idea of their... Uh, their state of well-being now uh, will decide where I will recommend uh, they start and it will always be at a level that I think is going to be comfortably in their range. I don't ever want a student to come back to ballet, step into the studio and feel like they are chasing the class because if they if that happens they will walk out with that thought of why did I ever think I could do ballet again? And that would break my heart. So I would much rather have a student start in a level that is, if anything, easy and comfortable and builds their confidence. You can move up from there. I can move them up from there. But having to move a student down, is uh, that's not pleasant for any of us. That also applies for children too. Because I sometimes find with, with parents wanting their children to be in a higher level and I'm like, I would much rather them be in the lower level and I move them up. That's mm. so much better for their confidence than having to move them down. Yeah. It, it does. It does break your heart when you have to do that, but it doesn't happen often anymore. <laughs> no, no, I can imagine. Uh, but with people that have never mm. done a step of ballet before in their life, they only have one option and that is to start in what we call entry level one. It does mean that I am asking people to be patient sometimes and go onto a wait list because we start new entry level one classes at the beginning of every term. But after the first three, three lessons, the technique has already progressed enough that I won't put a new student in there who's not experienced. Okay. So uh, I can tell you I would probably have... a lot more students if I did accept them at any time during the term but I have never been able to subscribe to that philosophy of just letting students have a go I really just respect that putting them in and I, I don't ballet is not something that you can do uh, you can't copy you can't have a monkey see monkey do approach as a teacher and I I want to give the students the best opportunity that they can possibly get to learn the technique properly to learn it thoroughly because if they do go into a class that is already underway and they're you know they're copying to the best of their ability they may get some of the technique to some degree eventually they will simply stop being able to improve because they won't have the foundational technique in place that will support all of the more you know dare I say fun technique uh, so yes we start new students at the beginning of every term and... Is it a 10-week, so they'll start and do 10 weeks? No, our, our terms are 12 weeks. Oh, okay. Yeah, 12-week terms and we run them back to back. So the first five, five levels in the school form a set program that we teach for our beginners from entry level one, which is zero experience and that's literally teaching them how to place their hand correctly on the bar in the first class through to uh, the end of entry level 
four or five, that's 60 classes. It's a, so it takes them a little bit over a year and by then they have got really strong foundations in classical technique. But just to give you some perspective on what that means, they have not come close to start learning pirouette technique. Okay. Not even close. In a level... Um, sorry, at the end of their Level five. Journey. Okay, mm. there you go. So we have what we call the entry levels, which is entry level one to entry yeah. level... Entry level six, that's entry level six uh, is a lovely consolidation period. And then the progressive levels, PL1 to PL6. And uh, they are for students who have got uh, experience or more recent experience. And uh, they're wonderful. Wow. It sounds so well thought out. Like it really does, Diane. It's amazing. So you do you create, because you've got so many other teachers as well, do you do teacher training? Do you sit down together and work out what you're teaching for each level? Or I'm just so fascinated how that works Yeah, well, to we, ensure the, the consistency the consistency. And the quality. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, we, that, there's two answers to that. The first is that the entry-level program, because it is absolutely set, whatever entry-level one class is being taught at each studio on a given week, we know that the, each teacher is teaching exactly the same class. Uh, so students can move across studios if they need to and they're going to get exactly the same content. When you move beyond the entry-level program into the higher levels, I really like the teachers to be able to write their own classes because we all have such unique styles. Uh, to how we teach and I don't want them to feel restricted in that sense but to maintain that uh, the integrity to the level yeah, yeah absolutely we have a very very specific guide for what technique can be included at each level and then I have this magnificent person on staff the gorgeous Kate who oversees which teacher is delivering which part or, or introducing new content at each level. So when she is organising makeup classes for students, again, we've got that security that if they're doing a PL1 class here and they're doing a makeup class that is a PL1 in the alternate studio, that have pirouettes been introduced? Has that student been exposed to them? Yes, they have. It's all fine. So the teachers work to a very specific guide. Uh, so you're not going to have a teacher at PL1 who's giving students, you know, God help us, fuetes. <laughs> uh, oh, we laugh, but it does happen in some oh, of I'm, our I'm sure classes. it does. I'm sure it does. And as for the, the team, we're a really, really close team. Yes, we have internal training and it is consistent. And we also have fortnightly team meetings. Uh, God bless Zoom. It makes it so easy to connect with everybody. Uh, and then once or twice a year, we sit down together and have luxurious lunch and uh, it's a great idea lovely professional development yes professional development in quotation marks with Absolutely. lovely lunch and champagne yes. <laughs> too funny um now moving along a little bit i would love to know what's your favorite part of class diane as a teacher or as a student let's go with both oh i suppose it's one and the same thing i I, I'm i going to ask if I can have two favourite parts of class. You can. I'll let you. Thank <laughs> you. I'm going to start with plies. 
mm-hmm. uh, because I, as a teacher, I love getting students into plies because I feel like in that moment, I'm taking them out of their world and I'm giving them that opportunity to unplug and to de-stress and to really connect into their bodies, to connect with the space, to connect with some beautiful music. And I know how special that is. And that is the beginning of the 90-minute journey that I'm taking them on. So for me, getting plies right is so important. Creating the feeling that I, that I want the class to travel on all happens in plies. I agree. Uh, plus, I love plies. How can, you, how can you not love that gorgeous, smooth introduction to class and some beautiful port de bras to get you going? Are you like me where, I mean, every, every class... Some, I mean, obviously you try being as consistent as possible, but some classes are always run smoother or flow better than others. And I always find that I know as soon as plies is finished, what that kind of class is going to be like. Oh, absolutely. There's, there's either that absolute beautiful flow state and focus in the room or you're like, oh, this is going to be harder to engage yes, today. Otherwise, it's okay. How am I going to get these people on my team and working the way I need them to work? Yes, I, I, you know, you can tell when students are walking towards your studio. Mm-hmm. You can just watch <laughs> so the way true. they're walking and go, oh, okay, yeah. you've had a difficult day. We're going to have to get you eased into the space. And yes, but that's our responsibility. And, and I love it. So yes, please. So part, part two, part two of your answer. Oh, part two. So, so <laughs> you guys, I let you have two. <laughs> Plies is the beginning of the journey. And then, oh, Grand Allegro. I was a Grand Allegro queen back in the days when I, you know, I, I had a, a body that can do more than it does now. I used to love to fly. I was a jumper and too. I loved Allegro. That was my thing. I, I know. I remember being a, a child and, and then an adolescent training and I used to feel so frustrated with bar uh, because it felt like just all the stuff I had to get through until I could fly. Uh, now, of course, being older and wiser, I, I love bar dearly and appreciate the journey. That's so funny. I remember thinking the same thing as a child, just being very frustrated and, oh, let's get bar over and done with. Yeah. But now as an, as an adult and especially teaching, I see the, the purpose and the reason behind the bar and, and I have just a whole newfound respect Doesn't for it. Doesn't bar feel special? It's it does. Just, it's such a, a – it, it feels like a very um, – like there's – there's reverence when you stand there. It's really, it, it's it's like coming home. It's like feeling safe. It's so hard to explain to a non-dancer, isn't it? And it's hard. It's hard to articulate because mm-hmm. it is. It's such a. It's such a, a, a deep and special feeling. Uh, but Grand Allegro is still my favorite favorite element of class, and and at that point, I've taken the students through the journey, and that that that's the grand finale. That's making sure I send them out on a high and and pushing them to be more and and to to go beyond what they think that they can and and giving them that buzz. And the studio is truly, the energy in the studio is just phenomenal by that point. It's amazing to watch too. I mean, we don't have anyone watching our classes, but I know I'm, I'm a regular attendee at any Queensland Ballet events that they host for teachers. And I love going and sitting in at the end of company class and watching Grand Allegro and 
There is nothing like the vibe of a dance studio during Grand Allegro. No, there? it's 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 fantastic. It's We're just, such ballet nerds, Diane. I know. I know. <laughs> Lucky all the listeners are ballet nerds too, so it's fine. <laughs> but that I just love that sense of electricity, and uh, and then of course there's reverence at the end, which is lovely, and that that pulls it all back down. Yeah, to that beautiful, respectful finish. But uh, but plies and Grand Allegro. I'm, I'm on board with you on that one. It's like the bookends of class. It is. Now, what's your favourite thing about teaching adults? Oh, do I only get one? Oh, look, I'll let you have three. Oh, thanks. <laughs> uh, it's a, it, that is so easy. They are so motivated. Mm-hmm. So motivated. It is their time. It is their money. So they turn They're up. taking themselves to class. I yeah, I couldn't agree more. They They turn up willing to learn and they really, really want to learn. They thrive on information and and they soak it up. I love that you can articulate technique to adults, that you don't have to use childlike language because, oh, goodness, I could never be talking about fairy wands or... Oh, Picking know, the flowers. Good toes versus naughty toes. <laughs> no, I, can't, I couldn't do it. And, but in, in many ways you can actually move adults along at a reasonable pace because they can understand they can comprehend so much faster completely Uh, and they're fascinated to know the reasons behind uh, steps being in in a particular order Uh, the reason why we do particular steps uh, the muscles they should be engaging to to execute the step how it should feel and the history behind certain steps or for example history behind why our legs turn out and things and i think that's one thing that when i first started teaching adults they were so hungry for information and it took me a while to understand why and to give it to them too because i thought i would because it's funny when you grow up with ballet you just accept it for what it is and you know all this stuff but you don't think anyone else would be interested and when everyone kept asking me unlike children adults ask you why are we doing this and what's the reason behind that and it took me a while to go oh you are actually interested yeah if I stop for a couple of minutes in class and explain this yeah because I thought oh I don't want to waste everyone's time but they are so fascinated and they love the information oh they thrive on it they want it and i think it makes you a better it certainly has made me a better teacher because i want to find out more information so i can give it to them <laughs> yeah and like many 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 years ago i realized that there are there are moments where i just have to say i actually don't know the answer to that mm. but you know what i'm going to find out and next week I'll and tell i'm you. going to bring it back to you most definitely so information yes they love it i uh, but the other thing that i dearly love is how grateful they are and it's it 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 still blows me away that I can correct a student in class and they say thank you (laughs) you know really you don't have to thank me please don't thank me it's my job this is my job and I love it and and I'm here to help you become the very very best dancer that you can be please don't thank me but they really are so grateful i wish they could understand how grateful we are as teachers that that they turn up Mm. and they turn up with enthusiasm and they keep coming back week after week i just i find that so deeply humbling and and inspiring 
all these and years motivating. Later, I've never lost mm. that sense of being humbled that these people just they keep turning up. It's just wonderful. I'm the exact same. Every every single time a new term starts, I think, is anybody going to show up? <laughs> and they do. And the classes are full. And I'm like, oh my gosh, like it, it really is humbling. And it really is the the gratefulness goes both ways. It does. And and I think that's that's one of the beautiful things about the adult ballet studio is it's it's genuinely collaborative and it's a place to share. I'm sharing my knowledge and experience with them, but they're sharing their time and they're sharing who they are with me. And and that's, you know, harking back to that sense of community. That's how it's created. We're all there together. It's a it's a wonderful leveling space and we are all working hard for the same end. Mm. Do you have a funny teaching story to share? <laughs> we all have one as teachers, one that you can share publicly. <laughs> oh, I, I, I have so many stories. Um, okay, once again, I'm going to ask for more than one. Okay, go for it. That's the great thing about podcasts. This can go for two hours if we want. I mean, I try to keep it to 40 minutes, but... We can go for as long as you want. Oh, my goodness. Okay. Uh, so the first one is, I think it's funny now. It possibly it wasn't, wasn't so funny at the time. And it's harking back to the church hall that I was hiring in Hawthorne. And it was a very small church hall. And, oh, my goodness, again, dirty. Uh, but it was a, uh, a heritage-listed building. And so there was very little that could be done with the problems in the roof. Okay. One of the problems were the the possums that had set up in the ceiling. And I was teaching class. I don't know what exercise I was setting. I was halfway through bar and possum wee rained down from the ceiling and landed in a puddle right in front of me. And... At this moment, all through through my head, all at exactly the same time was, oh my goodness, it's possum wee coming from the ceiling. I have to clean this up. I have to keep the class moving and I have to keep everybody in a really, really good space. Where is my humour? How can I make this a good thing? Oh my gosh. I don't know how I did, but I did. And here you are teaching adults thinking, I won't have to deal with, with cleaning up wee from the floor. <laughs> Oh, I've, like sometimes we have to do with three-year-olds that we teach. Oh no, it was just—it was—it was truly awful. It was awful. But looking back now, it's did everybody have a giggle? Everybody was fabulous. They were yes, everyone laughed. Probably made their night. They had a good story from class that night. Yeah, probably, <laughs> probably. But oh, the things we do. Uh, now you would know as a teacher, I'm sure that you expect a standard or you would instill a standard of etiquette in your class and you know as teachers we know uh, we know the do's and don'ts of ballet and that's actually something that I love training into beginners and and for us it's like you know breathing in and out you don't you don't chat during class it's not a chatting environment the sanctity of a ballet studio is just ingrained if you've you done do ballet as a child on the bars yeah yeah you know, I, I say to students, if you see me leaning on the bars, feel free. But until then, no, stand on your legs. I have a whole podcast episode about ballet class etiquette. And I think to this day, it's the most popular episode. Oh, I because I direct my adult begin, beginners who've emailed me to listen to that before coming to class. Uh, that's wonderful. That is fabulous. What a great idea. Mm. I, 
I couldn't agree more. I th- etiquette is it's everything. It's uh, it is how we maintain the, you know, ballet history and the sanctity of the space. And I think adults actually really thrive on on those do's and don'ts. But <laughs> but. but many 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 years ago, a student walked off the bar. I, once again, I don't know what exercise we were at, but at mid-bar, walked off, went to her bag, got a Tupperware container of food, bought, bought it back to the bar and started eating it. And What I, was the food? I mean, I, it, it was, would want to be something good. N- nuts and dried fruit or something <laughs> oh, okay. similar. And I'm, I, I was gobsmacked. Now, you would know that it... I wouldn't quite know what to do. Well, I am not often left short of words. Speechless. But I was standing there <laughs> looking at her and eventually I just I said, I'm sorry, what are you doing? And she said, <laughs> I was hungry. And I, honestly, the words that came out of my mouth before my brain kicked in, I yep. looked at her and I said, this is bar, not a buffet. <laughs> oh, my God, that is so funny. Oh, my, I was completely horrified. And she didn't understand why that was perhaps not the done thing. That's so funny. Yeah. I, I wouldn't I wouldn't know what to say, but now I do. So if that happens, I'm going to say the exact same words. This is bar, this is bar not a buffet. Not a buffet. <laughs> Put your food away. <laughs> That's so funny. I know. I wouldn't know what to do. I think, uh, I, I don't know. I, I wouldn't know what to do. <laughs> I, I can tell by your face. You're, you're quite shocked. Yeah, I haven't had that one. I'll let you know when it happens. I'm sure over the years it, it might happen. Oh, I <laughs> I still get surprised by by things all these years later. Yeah. But that's part of what makes it fabulous. That's so funny. Well, being the Balanced Ballerinas podcast, Diane, I always ask everybody, we can't always leave the mo- lead the most balanced lives, mm. but I always like to leave the listeners with our guest number one tip for trying to lead a balanced life. What's yours? Oh, uh, I think a balanced life. Besides a glass of wine. <laughs> Besides a glass of wine. <laughs> I, I would honestly say it is, again, two things. I seem to have the need to have, give you two answers to every I love question. It. I'm That's sorry. Great. The first one is to prioritise sleep. And I can I can imagine Ariana Huffington doing a little happy dance in the background. She is she definitely. He is that. But I have come in my later years to truly understand how important it is are you in eight hours a night girl yeah absolutely that you close the laptop that emails will wait that checking your social media is actually not that important but your sleep is i always say to myself i'm running a dance school i'm not a doctor (laughs) the world can stop yeah the world can wait absolutely uh, and I think that is such an important part of our self-care. Yes, diet is important. Uh, taking care of ourselves in terms of exercise, absolutely. Mm. But sleep deserves a lot more attention than it's getting. Uh, and the second thing is just to stop and be grateful. Every day at some point, be grateful for something. Because that's what keeps us centred. And and it, it's wonderful how you can feel a shift in yourself and everything can suddenly feel calmer and more balanced when you just stop and think, ah, oh, I actually have a lot to be grateful for. So and true. I like to start every day. When I wake up, I'm trying to train myself out of 
picking up my phone. Yes, and, oh, and me too. Just thinking of something that I am grateful for in the day that's gone and something that I'm looking forward to in the day ahead. And that helps me start in a balanced way. That's and beautiful. That's perfect. Hopefully the day continues. It's fantastic. I have just had such a ball speaking with you today. I really have. Oh, thank you so much. I feel like we could chat for hours. Well, we're lifelong friends now, I've decided. And I will come back and for tea and chocolate biscuits make myself at home here just so you know <laughs> you are welcome back anytime next time you must come back into a class oh i know i was supposed to do one this morning but oh, it just didn't work out that scheduling way. no and i was just it was either class or sitting down and chatting to you for the podcast and i took one for the team and i'm delivering a conversation for my beautiful oh, bb community <laughs> so thrilled to have this opportunity to share with your community. Thank you so much for having oh, me. Thank you. And where can listeners find you on social media? On social media, we are Alonce Adult Ballet School on Instagram. We are Alonce Adult Ballet School on Facebook. And the website is adultballet.com.au very easy you have the best web address how good is that adultballet.com.au yeah very clever clapping for you thank you (laughs) thanks diane such a pleasure thank you again isn't diane fantastic if you enjoyed our chat i would love for you to leave a five-star rating as it helps keep the podcast alive Also, if you know someone who would love this conversation, then share the episode with them. Spreading the love means the world to me as this is a labor of love and I want to continue spreading our guests' incredible stories and the Balanced Ballerina's message. What is the BB message, I hear you ask? Well, in case you've forgotten, it's all about breaking down the elitist barriers often associated with ballet and ensuring that there's space for anyone and everyone to learn ballet and reap the benefits. I think that's why I loved meeting Diane because she has created exactly this, a space for anyone who wants to learn this beautiful art form while staying true to its core values in a non-intimidating way. Anyway, have a beautiful week, ballerinas, and feel free to connect with me on the Balance Ballerinas Instagram or via our private community group on Facebook. Just search Balance Ballerinas Community, hit join, and I'll be sure to approve you so you can find other like-minded ballerinas.